Have you talked to him since uh, he became a Milwaukee Buck? I have. I have. We text and, you know, he's in a good space. He's in a good spot. And I think he has a unique opportunity to play with one of the greatest players of all time in, in Giannis. Welcome to the CJ McCollum Show. We are currently recording on campus. When I say campus, I mean the Saints and Pelicans facility. Uh, just finished up another practice. But before I get into all of that, I want to briefly talk about the summer. The summer was a long one because we lost so early. We ended up losing on April 12th to the Oklahoma City Thunder at home in the playing, uh, wrapping up uh, a, sh a short season in which we faced a lot of different injuries, a lot of different setbacks. We had highs you know, eight, nine game winning streaks. And we had some lows with a 10 game losing streak and a lot of injuries to rotation players. But with all that occurring and us losing, I had some time to kind of you know, sit back and evaluate how I could get better. But first I had to kind of address some injuries that I was going through uh, and facing throughout the season. I had surgery on my UCL ligament in my thumb on my shooting hand. Then I began to rehab my uh, labrum, which I tore during the season, down the stretch of the season. And um, this was the first time where my season ended in early April. So I was able to really rest, kind of recover, work on my game, work on my conditioning and really kind of put together a, a, a full summer um, of, you know, essentially, you know, six months of, of figuring out what to do before our next season starts and understanding the importance of this season, understanding what we wanted to accomplish coming into the season. Uh, a lot of teams report early and we had a lot of guys in the gym early working on their game, you know, PD work with player development work weights playing one-on-one playing two-on-two play on three-on-three playing five-on-five and um the gym was popping i think trajan said that in his media day i think willie talked about it griff talked about how the gym was popping a lot of guys were in town understanding that this is a really big year for us collectively and a lot of guys you know began working out in august right after um the july summer league period and most of our team had reported um to the actual city around Labor Day, which is becoming more prevalent across the league where you see a lot of teams doing, you know, foreign trips. A lot of teams are going to California, they're going to Miami, they're getting together for these little mini camps. We basically had a, a little mini camp here for a couple months uh, with our uh, our guys just kind of figuring out, you know, how to play with each other, playing in certain spaces, lifting and getting better. And I'm just really, really excited about, you know, this upcoming season. Uh, we're obviously recording this podcast uh, on a Monday, um, October 9th, before our first preseason game, which will be Tuesday, October 10th. And I think now is a good time to welcome Cassidy um, to the podcast. We'll be around all year long, um, continuing to figure out ways to make our conversation great and to really touch on things that are happening throughout the league and beyond. So, Cassidy, what's up? What's up? I am so happy um, to be able to be on this show with you. Um, you know, you're my... Uh, you're my birthday twin. I've I've been following your career since you you started in the league and also had this bomb because you were a journalism major. And so we've always kind of connected. And even back in in port in your Portland days, I remember you always reading books before games. And I was like, this guy is mad interesting. And you've had yourself an incredible career and continuing to build on that career. So um, I'm just here to like get your wisdom and talk about you know, the best sport in all of the land. And I'm, I'm excited. There's a lot, there's a lot to talk about. Um, that's for sure. No, there absolutely is. And I'm happy to have you, my, my Virgo twin um, <laughs> on the podcast, sharing knowledge, dropping gems and, 
you know, you have a unique perspective because obviously you cover the sport, but you're traveling, you're watching games, you're seeing how teams are developing, you're seeing how teams are changing. And then for me, my perspective is obviously playing and being a journalism major, uh, but being able to provide some glimpses into you know things that are happening behind this, the scenes. And with us recording this podcast in the middle of training camp, it's only right that I talk about our team, you know, kind of where we're at, where I think we're at. And, you know, a lot of people have talked about the fact that B.I.Z. and myself have only played 10 games together collectively, which is crazy to think about, you know, in the 10th game of last season, B.I. ends up getting hurt. Uh, so Z and I play together for quite some time. Then Z goes down and B.I. comes back and B.I. and I play together for quite some time. But this training camp practice, one was the first time we had played together uh, collectively since the 10th game of the previous season, which is crazy to think about but i think we've made a lot of progress in spacing better understanding you know where everybody likes to exist at um bringing jv back into the fold mm. herb everybody's continuing to get better so i think it's been really really cool to to get up and down right uh first and foremost but to just kind of see what it's like to have us all on the court together again why am i envisioning like the spider-man meme of the like you three like pointing at each other like oh yeah oh yeah we're on the team together all three of us i mean the fact that you guys have only played 172 minutes together is insane um and i know pelicans fans are just like itching to see what this team looks like the team that they you know believe they've had um all along. So, I mean, how, for, before we get to your teammates, like how good do you feel? I know you went through some surgery, but like you've been in the playoffs your whole career. And so, like you said, like having a whole off season to kind of have to figure out your routine um, starting in April, like what did, what did that feel like for you? It was weird. It was weird just watching so much basketball and, not playing, not practicing, not going to the facility for for quite some time. And as I said before, I ended up getting surgery pretty early on just to kind of, you know, take advantage of that rest period where I'm not really training anyway. So I got surgery, you know, late April. And, you know, that was a, a process where I was in cast for a little bit. And then I had I got the cast removed about a weekend and kind of started moving the hand around and really starting the, some of the therapy associated with the hand about two and a half, three weeks into the um, post-surgery. And while I was rehabbing the hand, I was rehabbing my shoulder, which is on the same side. So that was a interesting, you know, time for me in the summer where we basically went through, you know, 10 to 12 weeks of rehab before I started reintroducing basketball activities again. But that gave my body time to kind of calm down. The inflammation gets high from the season, the running, the stress, and then you add injuries and the surgery to that. And you have to rest properly. And I think this was a, the first time in a long time where I, my body got to really rest mm. before I began to figure out how to break it down and and get better. And with that, you know, 10 to 12 weeks, you're looking at a June start time-ish where I was, you know, end of May, I was shooting the ball again, which is pretty early because normally the season ends, you know, right. hopefully if you go far, you're in that May area. But I was shooting the ball again and really starting to ramp up my, my training into May, early June. I was getting back into the gym and, um, catch and shoot because I couldn't really dribble yet with the hand, but I was catching, shooting and lifting and, and starting my conditioning phase uh, pretty early on, I'd say mid, mid June. And then once we got to the end of June, July, that's when we really started to ramp up. Mm. All right. So you're feeling good. Um, how's, how's Zion looking? I mean, obviously I know you answer those questions a lot, <laughs> um, but you know, it's a question everybody wants to know. He looks good. He looks really good. Explosive. I think, uh, some of the fans got to see a little bit of it um, in our fan festival where we basically show fan appreciation um, Sunday uh, Sunday night where, you know, we're doing the three on two, two on one. We're doing layups and 
he showed his uh, explosiveness and his combination of power with a nice windmill dunk. But I mean, you're talking about a guy who hasn't played, you know, live action um, since January 1st, right? So that very March. And you're looking at 10, 10 months before he plays in a real game. And obviously we'll play tomorrow in our preseason game against the Orlando Magic. But that was a long break of not having real five-on-five contact where you're playing one-on-one and you're maybe getting dummy defense from a coach or from a trainer, but to physically get hit by screens, to physically have to guard, sprint the floor, run, ISO, post-up, guard a post-up, you can't really prepare for that without playing in in game, but lucky for him, he's gotten himself Especially with his body. Shape. Especially with yeah. his body. His body is very unique, and that's what the concern is. You know, yeah. that's a lot of... I mean this in the like most positive way I can. It's a lot of weight. It's a lot of muscle that he has to that that is so explosive. Um, but you're saying he looks great. Yeah, he looks. I mean, for a guy who hasn't played live action in nine or ten months, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that in watching him. The touch, the fluidity, the understanding of spacing, timing on passes, timing on cuts, brute strength, the combination of force and um, the agility. You never really see you know, guys that size, that strong, like have good feet, right? Like be able to, right. you know, kind of get in between guys. He got great touch around the basket. And, you know, I think he's an underrated passer. So it's been cool to to see him back in his, you know, natural form, obviously still finding his rhythm, still getting his game legs underneath him as we all are going through a long training camp. Um, he looks really good. B.I. looks great. Uh, pace, I think playing for the uh, Olympic team, Griff talked about it, allowed mm-hmm. him to play five on five earlier, right, where he's getting contact earlier. He's scrimmaging earlier, playing in games earlier than he ever has in his career so that he rolls into camp and he's hitting the ground running. Uh, I think it's been very, very helpful for us. Um, Obviously, JV, I think he's played 17 straight years for his national team. So you talk about a consummate pro who just does, you know, everything he's supposed to do. And Herb lives in the gym. He's constantly um, in the gym. He was there all summer. I was rehabbing, working out, you know, doing two days, three days. I'm seeing him. Um, in the gym. So it's been cool. Like, that's just like, you know, the guys that I've been playing with. Um, looking at big bummer you know, about Trey and, and Jose, yeah. though. Yeah. And that's tough. Like, that's the tough part about the league. And, you know, everybody talks about predictions. Everybody talks about, you know, win totals, who's going to contend for a championship. Health matters in this league. And, you know, timing of injuries, like luck, gang of the season, luck. You look at some of the the champions historically being healthy at the right time, but also peaking at the right time. You hear that very often. And, you know, it sucks that Trey got hurt and uh, Jose's out, uh, Larry's out. They'll be back, you know, I imagine soon. But the timing could have also been worse where they at least mm-hmm. they get to come back, you know, November, December, whenever, you know, Trey comes back and is able to kind of hit the ground running as opposed to getting hurt in November, December and missing, you know, the pivotal points of the season. When it comes to BI, like what's how how do you feel like his mindset is coming into this season? You know, coming off of playing with Team USA, you know, um, obviously there were some reports that like he he felt like he wanted more run um, on the Team USA team, uh, but he, you know, like you said, he was giving more five on five work. Um, I know he's like a, a quiet assassin; he's just always in the gym. How how do you feel like his season's going to uh, play out this year? I think he's hungry. I think he's extremely hungry, you know, disappointed in the way um, the summer went. I think he's disappointed in the outcome for sure. You know, a guy who's a competitor, he wants to win, wants to contribute towards winning. I think 
the way it ended, I think a lot of those players are hungry and they're determined to kind of, you know, take advantage of some of those missed opportunities they felt like they had during the Olympics by not winning a gold and bring that back to their individual teams. I think he's having that same approach where he wants to focus on the little stuff. He wants to focus on space, pace, right? Making the right plays, defensively playing with that aggression. And, you know, you're talking about a guy who finished the season, you know, on a tear the last, I think it was the last 12 games. And he was, he was averaging like 29, eight and seven or something like that flirted with triple doubles every night. And I think we ended up going nine and two or nine and three down the stretch of the season. And I think he's looking to carry that momentum forward, understanding the West has continued to get better. The East has continued to get better. A lot of additions and trades that we'll get into shortly. We understand that we have to have a sense of urgency in this season. And it all stems from our off season preparation as we roll into um, training camp, the back end of it and in the front end of preseason. We'll get back on track and just what happened more on, on this summer. Um, you mentioned Dame. Have you talked to him since uh, he became a Milwaukee Buck? I have. I have. We text and, you know, he's in a good space. He's in a good spot. And I think he has a unique opportunity to play with one of the greatest players of all time in, in Giannis, uh, who is like-minded in the sense of work ethic, preparation, wanting to be dominant, and, you know, having proven that he can perform you know, on the highest stages. Uh, I think he had a 50 burger in the closeout game. Uh, while I think he made all his free throws or 16 out of 16, 17, 16 out of 17, something crazy like that, where um, he really just kind of showed you um, that he has exactly what it takes um, to win a championship. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing them play together, seeing how they utilize them. And I think the cool part about this situation is that I think both teams, you know, I mean, all three teams, if we're being honest here, you know, feel like they, got what they wanted out of the situation, right? Drew Holiday goes to a, you know, a Boston Celtics team who is very good and has all the ingredients of what you look for in a championship team. Portland gets a lot of different pieces, not just from Dame, but from the Drew Holiday trade where they get Malcolm Brogdon, they get DeAndre Ayton, you know, a young, big, who's skilled, athletic, talented. Um, Rob Williams. Rob Williams, uh, a guy who started on the team who um, was just in a championship game two years, not last year, but the year before. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody got better uh, in their own minds, right? And I think they got what they were looking for. And I think the cool thing about this situation, I talked about Milwaukee, and I'll touch on them briefly, is that Terry Stotts, who coached Damon and I in Portland, you know, for a number of years, is uh, basically in charge of the offense over there at Milwaukee. And I think that'll be really unique to see how he utilizes Dame on the ball, off the ball, movement patterns, pick and rolls, That'll be a deadly combination. I think, you know, it's important looking at rosters and roster constructions, but also coaching staffs that when you have a young coach, it's important that you have um, someone with head coaching experience on that staff. And I think they've delivered with that. Yeah. First time head coach Adrian Griffin um, and Terry Stotts is on his his staff. Um, So you mentioned Terry, uh, you know, being in charge of that offense. Like, how do you how lethal do you see? that pick and roll being between Dame and, and Dame and Giannis? It's going to be tough because I know they're going to have movement. They're going to have some shooters out there. Obviously, Chris Middleton. I don't know if they'll start Pat Connaughton. You know, they have Lopez, who's, you know, a seven-footer over seven feet that has range out to about 27, 28 feet. Mm-hmm. So the spacing is going to be great, right? And the ability for Dame to obviously create mismatches, to create – um, scoring opportunities for himself, but also scoring opportunities for others. I think it's just really going to be cool to see how they get the ball from side to side into the pick and rolls. 
Giannis as a handler with Dame setting a screen, understanding that Giannis is seven foot and virtually unstoppable. So no matter who's guarding Dame, it puts the team in rotations. And then you have shooters, you have cutters. So I think one of the things Terry's always been good at is movement-based plays into an action. Um, and that's been very successful for him. And it's one of the reasons why we had a top 10 offense for essentially a decade um, was his creativity and ability to put players' stress on display consistently. Yeah. And look, we all we all know that, you know, uh, Dame wanted to go to Miami, but um, like for him to land somewhere else, it's probably a perfect situation in terms of like the next best option for him in terms of his mind. I can't read his mind. But when you think about like he's talked about how much he loves Giannis's game and is, you know, would have loved to play with him. When you think about Dame as a teammate and the type of guy he is as a competitor and what you understand uh, about Giannis as a competitor, how do you think their personalities are going to bash on this team this year? I think they're going to get along well because it's two it's two guys who love love the game of basketball. Um, watch League Pass and call them League Pass junkies. They're watching lots of the games. Yeah. They're breaking down film. They go to the gym at night. They get to the gym early. They have championship habits. And obviously, Dame never won a championship, but he had the championship habits that are necessary to be successful. So that's thinking about the game, taking care of your body, um, getting your reps, having that dialogue with your teammates, right, where you're talking through ways to improve. Um, Giannis kind of talked about it in one of his most recent press conferences where he said, we're not in competition with each other. I'm going to let Dame be the best version of himself. I'm going to trust that he's going to get us the ball and make the right plays. And I think Dame's understanding of Giannis' dominance and how great he is, I think they'll empower each other to be successful. And there might be times where they're both probably a little too unselfish, but that's what you want, right? You want them to kind of figure it out, have that dialogue, have that back and forth. And then the aggression, uh, the skill set, the maturity of their games will take over. And I think it'll be really cool to see how they play and finish games down the stretch. Cause I think that's one of the reasons why they looked at, you know, this acquisition for Dame was figuring out how they could be better in the last two minutes because right. Dame is a closer, right? We all know that he's a great shooter, great scorer, great in one-on-one -on -one pick and roll situations. And in the playoffs, it becomes a half court game. The game kind of slows down. You need guys that can generate and create buckets for not only themselves, but for others. And I think he's able to do that. And on the flip side, you look at the Boston Celtics, right? They needed a guy who could, be almost like a Swiss army knife. Coach Willie talks about it all the time with Najee Marshall. A guy who could do a little bit of everything. Defend, catch and shoot, post up, run a pick and roll. He's a plug and play. Drew's a plug and play everywhere. And I think that's a really, really good pickup for the Boston Celtics. Really yeah. good. Yeah. But you made, okay, so you made the point about Dame and and Giannis. You know, their, their skill set complements each other because Giannis can just, as Dame said in, his pressers steamroll down the uh, down the lane and you know like then i have the threat you know outside three-point line but boston like they have it's a luxury but you know they have to work out they have a lot of options you know mm -hmm. they're they're gonna eat. i was at the game last night um and you know joe mazula said don't don't read into you know drew holiday coming off the bench because you know he just joined us on on wednesday because of his um, he had to make sure he get, he got cleared. And so they're just, you know, working him in, but that, they, they, he still addressed that there's going to be an issue. I mean, they love Derek white, but you know, that like, 
And then with their two stars, as good as Jalen and Jason are, like there's just a lot there um, that they have to work out. It's it's uh, an embarrassment of riches for, to to most people. But I, I like how do you see them working that situation out? Even though Drew Holiday is as humble as they come, and he he will yeah. fill all the holes, um, it's still a a challenge nonetheless for you know second year head coach. I think when you have like-minded individuals who want to be successful, they figure it out. And I think there'll be some times where it's tough, right? Figuring out the rotation, who starts, but more importantly, who closes games. But I think looking at the size of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they could easily close out games with the Jay brothers, <laughs> Derek White, Drew Holiday, and they could go big with Porzingis. So there's ways they could do it and they could, mix and match Porzingis or Al Horford. They have a Thanks, lot of yeah. different options to to finish games. I think the cool part, like you talked about, is Drew Holiday's maturity. He's a guy that can be ball dominant. He can play off the ball. He can be second side guy. He can be second option guy, third option guy, fourth option guy. He succeeded in different roles. And I think that's why he was so good in Milwaukee. They had him, Chris, and Giannis. And some nights he was number two, some nights he was number three. And he showed his ability and versatility. But I think what matters most is that Boston likes guys that can defend. And all those guys can defend, you know, multiple positions. They can switch pick and rolls. Um, they can create a lot of different havoc um, in the half court, especially as you get closer and closer to April and May. You want really good basketball players out on the court. And I think you got a high IQ group with that Boston um, situation. And Chris Stapps looked really, really good. He looks in shape, shooting the ball well, finishing around the basket. Um, I like what they did this summer. Um they got better. And Kristaps is, it's interesting, you know, because he came into New York as Don the Unicorn, um, obviously then had some injury concerns and then goes to Dallas and um, had some clashes with, with Luca and just like, who is, who's the star there? And then goes to DC and, you know, coming off the best season of his career. And I was talking to him, he said that, you know, he was really humbled in, in DC looking at specifically his post-up numbers, um, realizing that like he just wasn't an all around effective player because his post-up numbers were so bad. Um, and you know, he's, he said he had to look himself in the mirror and so far, you know, around that Boston, um, you know, camp last week, it was just, everybody was saying just how hungry and, um, happy he is to be a part of the Boston Celtics. And I wonder if being arguably the fourth star on that team will help him like regain his confidence because there isn't the type of pressure that he had um, in Dallas and in New York, but there is a spotlight that like re-energizes him that wasn't there in Washington. And yes, it was a preseason game, but he was, he looked really good last night. Yeah, he was excited and he talked about it you know, in this press conference about the fans, the excitement, the energy, um, how lively it was being able to to play in the Boston Garden and, and experience that for his first time. Right. In a preseason game where he plays well, uh, Peyton Pritchard, who, you know, just signed a deal. He plays well. I think he scored 16 in the fourth quarter and he really got to see like, oh, this is a preseason game. And it look, was so loud in there. Yeah. For a preseason game. So I think he's imagining like, wow, wait till I get to the real season. Wow, yeah. wait till I get to the playoffs and that energy, that excitement. I think the cool part for him is the gravity that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you know, have on that court. You know, two guys, three guys are always aware of where they're at. Sometimes the double teams come, the over rotations, the over help. 
he's going to get a lot of easy baskets that he hasn't seen in, in quite some time because of how good they are as scorers, but also how good they are as playmakers because they're going to force two often, you know, on possessions where two guys end up coming out on ball screens, pin downs, isolation situations, or whatever the case may be. And that's another talk about, you know, um, another shot of confidence. How about Jalen Brown? Being, you know, getting the richest contract in NBA history, like not in for the first time, not in trade talks. So, you know, he's solidified, um, you know, Jason obviously is the star he is. Like they, they have an embarrassment of riches. That's why a lot of people are, you know, circling the Celtics and Bucks, you know, being in an arms race at the top of that um, a conference. And then there's, you know, the 76ers in this situation with, with James Harden, um, it's uh it's tough because they have you know like Joel is uh, the reigning MVP um and you hate to see like you know him having to go through another year of like well, all of this confusion heading into the season um it was just two years ago you know they are dealing with uh Ben Simmons uh not reporting and now now James has been reporting and you know, even though he didn't play in the uh, preseason game he's apparently been working out hard with the team, um, you know, as the president of the NBA PA, like how much are you monitoring what's going on with all that drama surrounding um, James? Because his trade request still remains and the team is still trying to work that out. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware of the situation and, and what's going on. I think in this situation, you, you love to see everybody be professional, right? And the, and the same you would hope for in, in the regular workplace, right? Where an employee may or may not be happy, but they're still showing up to work every day. They're still doing their job, being a good teammate, being a good coworker, and trying to continue to help figure out ways to drive the business forward. And I think in this case, it appears as if James is doing that by cooperating, practicing. You've seen some of the clips of him playing one-on-one with staff and just kind of ramp it up and getting ready for the season. And obviously, this is a really good team, right? The Sixers are, you know... Yeah. You could they argue, almost beat the Celtics. Like, I mean, they they lost two straight games. They really were my picks team. last year. They're a really good team. I just, I don't, you know, they're a really good team. And with they, Nick they, Nurse, like they were playing defense last night, and they, I mean, they didn't have their full team, but like, right, it was. I think he has his own. They have a new energy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I think the NBA is great because. You never know what's going to happen. It's one of the most fascinating sports and entertainment things in the world because change is inevitable and it always happens when you least expect it, which makes it even more entertaining. But I think we're in for a treat. We're in for a, a real special treat this season. There's a lot of gravity and change. And, you know, we talked about the Eastern Conference, right? We haven't even talked about the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. We haven't the talked Lakers. about the Lakers or the Golden State Warriors, like there's a lot of turnover, a lot of new faces and new places. Did you did you get a chance to watch Bradley Bill and uh, you know I said Bradley Bill and the Phoenix Suns? You know, each day you could pick a new player, Katie yes, in the exactly, Suns, exactly. Booker in the Suns, yeah, Vogel um, in the Suns. No, I haven't. I didn't get a chance to watch them yet, but I mean, I will. Um, I did get to see uh, CP play with the Warriors, and I don't like even. It looks like he doesn't. He still doesn't believe he's on the Warriors. <laughs> like it's like what he's like looking at his jersey. He's like, what? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really weird seeing him in in the Warriors gear, understanding their history, understanding his history, 
seeing two Hall of Famers in the backcourt together is just wild. The way he plays, I think it complements the Warriors' pace, moving the ball, setting screens. Um, the only difference, and you've seen it in the game last night, he shoots middies. He's very efficient with his middies and kind of playing in that in-between spacing gives the Warriors maybe a, a change of speed because the the guys shoot so many threes, right? Clay, mm-hmm. Steph, uh, even Wig. Wig is basically three or key. So CP gives them another option, you know, especially playing with the first unit, playing with Dre, playing without Dre. Uh, obviously, Dre's hurt right now, so you got to really see his playmaking and his basketball IQ um, on full display. Yeah, I mean, also, I think they're hoping that, you know, CP can have also an impact on that. Second unit, big impact on Jonathan Kaminga, who they really want to see take that next leap. Um, and, you know, like CP has had quite an impact on a lot of young players from, you know, um, OKC to even while I was with the Suns. So I, I'm i interested to see how that all meshes. Um, the West, like the, these are teams that you're facing on a nightly basis. Like who yeah. right now is scaring you the most? I mean, no, no one's, one's scaring no you. Scares but who, yeah, who, who is the team? <laughs> let me, let me, let me take that back. Who, who is the team that you're, is you're thinking about the most? Um, the team I think about the most, I would say is the Denver Nuggets. Um, Fair. Looking at like all these teams are great. Everybody got better. Everybody's competitive. We haven't even talked about Memphis, right? Memphis was a part of that. Porzingis trade where Marcus Smart goes there. Like Memphis is a really good team, and Jaw's going to come back at some point, and he's going to come back hooping at a high level. But I think, and I don't know why picking up Derrick Rose, just I don't know, feels like a good situation for Jaw because sometimes I watch Jaw as a like growing up a Bulls fan, I see glimpses of Derrick. And I'm like, maybe Derek is going to be like a cautionary tale of taking care of your body. Um, I don't know that that's just a side note, but yeah, that team is, that's another team. Like we'll see how jaw comes back after everything that happened. Yeah. Jaw's going to come back with a vengeance, but I just think experience matters. You got the Lakers who come back very experienced, you know, with depth signed a lot of players, bronze healthy. There's a lot of teams who are really good, but the way Denver plays with the altitude, the ball movement, the spacing, the pace, Joker, he makes the game easier for everybody. Murray, it seems like he he's really good, and then he takes his game to like an even higher level than really good, right? Um, in the playoffs, he enjoyed the off season though, didn't he? They all did, <laughs> he, he as, did. as, as he they should. They his should. championship, yes, as they should. They should. He worked that like, hard. The amount of dancing videos of Jokic, like. Yeah, I was just expecting him one day just to get like bringing his horses in the club and just dancing like <laughs> they just kept getting more and more ridiculous. I'm just like, I mean, live your best life, Joker, live your best life. Yeah. And I think he, he's he got good perspective and balance. And I think, you know, he talked he about it, right? Like. They asked him if this was the funnest summer he had, and he said, no, it was too short. <laughs> right, right, right. So, he goes, I had to play, I had to play all the way until June. Like, no, it was too Middle short. Of June. <laughs> and then and he's dead serious. And I think that they think that he's joking, but he's dead no. serious. Like basically saying I, dead I, serious. more time away from my horses. And they asked if he worked out and he said he touched the ball a couple of times. And I believe him like a couple of times. I believe times. him too. I believe him too. But then not more than four. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's a he's a pro and he knows how to play the game and the way their offense is set up, the movement, the cutting. Three pointers, you know, the they team. got a good team. They just got it's a really a team. good team. It's a squad. It really is a yeah, good squad. They got a good team. So I think, 
I just want to think about like league pass watches. Like I can't wait to watch the Suns play. Um, yeah. Just the, the pace, the skill, the level of skill on that team, especially at the top. They add the a nerve. You know, the scoring. Like The scoring, the pace. I know Vogel's going to have them defending. They got some shooting. They got the right combination of things. So it'll be, it'll be really cool and interesting to see how they play, how they space the floor, how they move. I think Utah, Utah will be a nice league pass watch uh, for me. Um, no one's really talking about John Collins going to Utah. Obviously, the big fella uh, marketing is is really good. They got Clarkson. Um, they drafted the kid out of Baylor, who's uh, an exceptional scorer, can play on the ball and off the ball. So, I mean, the West is a be- East is a beast. The West is a beast. Got to be ready and willing to bring it every night. And I think that's what the the cool part is about the season is you really don't know what's going to happen. Like, there's so many teams who have a chance if they're healthy. What are NBA players saying about Victor Wembanyama? Like, are you are you guys also wanting to see what all of the hype's about and like what what he does differently than everybody else? Which is the word about him? I think when he was first coming out and before summer league, there was a lot of buzz, um, a lot of people talking about him. You know, him being you know a taller version of KD. You hear all the comparisons, and then you get to see him play. You understand that he's young, he's very skilled, he's got pop. He's within the Spurs organization, so they're going to grow and develop him properly, and he'll become very successful, I imagine, based on his talent and the location of where he's at. But I think now everybody just kind of focus on their own seasons. Like so many things have happened, the Dame trade. You look at all the things that have happened, where like the storyline kind of shifts and flips. But I think once the season starts and you start to see matchups, you start to watch games, then the highlights will come together and you'll be able to see and talk more about Victor. But I think right now everybody's just so locked into understanding how hard this season is going to be every night uh, with teams being better, teams executing better, playing faster, all those things mattering. I think guys are just, just really, really locked into their own situations right now. Yeah. I mean, as they should be. It's a, it's the start of the season, um, and so everybody thinks they got They can win the championship. That's what the beginning of the year is for, yeah, right? It's, true. it's anyone's game. Um, well, I, I, I certainly am excited. All right, in this segment, I think it's important that you guys get to know Cassidy a little bit better. Have a new co-host. It's important that we ask each other some questions to allow fans to get a better insight into both of us and and this gives us an opportunity to share some things that maybe we haven't shared before for not only our listeners but the world so i mean and that. us get to know each other more even though i've known you for i don't know what feels like 10 years uh you know we, we don't like i'm the i'm a media member you know like now even though you're 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 team espn um mm-hmm. let's i, I want to know a little bit more about you as well other than what i what what i read um sorry right, hit me with it all right. First question is your favorite non-NBA team. Is this okay? So this would be your like I'm guessing your favorite non-NBA team. I feel like I know this, which is yes, it's, yes, it's the Browns. It is the Browns. Good answer. Because you are the most, you're the proudest Browns fan, which is a bit of an oxymoron. But you're the proudest Browns fan. I am. <laughs> Sorry, CJ. It's Sorry, okay. I. I, I uh, yeah, it's been a rough, been a rough uh, thirty-two years. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, bye week. This this last week was great. It was a bye week, so there was no stress. Ravens loss. We progress. It's okay. It's gonna be okay. 
or it's not. And it's just going to be the same. And so it shouldn't bother you because it's just like your reality. Yeah. Just, just move through it. Okay. So what's my favorite non NBA team? Well, you're from Illinois. So that gives me <laughs> good, good, good job. That gives that. me Bears, Cubs, White Sox. I'm going to go bad news bears. I honestly don't even know who am I not. I get, I get like, I will say I grew up probably the, the bears were my number two, but then later in life, the Cubs took that reign for a number two team gotcha. in terms okay. of sports. Um, Cause I like stopped really loving the NFL as much as I used to, but I used to, you know, it used to be religion for me. Um, so yeah, that was a trick question. So, but there, there you go. It, it would be the bears slash cubs. Bears cubs. And then, okay. and the Blackhawks when they're winning the Stanley cup. So that's the type of fan. I, <laughs> Oh, wow. And then I also have to be a commander's fan because of my husband. Cause I don't watch the reason why I also don't watch the bears is because we don't get to watch the bears in our household. It's like a oh. commander's household, Got which it. is, Worse probably than what you're feeling. <laughs> so like we, we 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 both don't have great teams right now, I cheer, but there's there's hope for the future. I cheer for the commander so I can have a happy Sunday night, you know? Like I I don't want the grumpiness in the house. Um it's good so energy. <laughs> All right, we got a high school one here. I am okay. not the only NBA player who went to Glen Oak High School um in Canton, Ohio. Another Glen Oak Golden Eagle was a first round pick in two thousand eight who was he and do you need a hint i know this viral picture of you where you um mm -hmm. where you're five two and someone's standing next to you and he was a seven footer he went to ohio state university was drafted by the utah jazz in am i right though is it the person that's in that picture mm -hmm. but i feel like i don't see his face let me just tell you the answer. Yes. Costa. Costa oh, Kufis. Costa Kufis. Do you still talk to him? Costa's my guy. I still talk to him. That's really crazy. So you're on the same team and oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. How and much are you sick? Are you sick of seeing that picture of yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm just used to it now. It's just a part of my life. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's normal. It's, it's normal. Just it's just normal. How many people like bring it up to you? It's like, did you see this picture of you? Often. Kind of oh. It happens often. It happens often. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm a graduate of Evanston Township High School in Illinois. Um, and although, look, we didn't write these, so just bear with us. Um, and I'm not listed under the notable alumni section in Wikipedia. Yeah, but I am, I do have a plaque in the hallway. <laughs> All right. So get it straight. That's I am important. a notable alumni, um, for whatever that's worth. Other people you may know that went to ETHS are John and Joan Cusack and this actor most famous for his role in HBO's Entourage. Hmm. So the answer is an actor in Entourage. Give me Correct. a second. Let me think. Probably the most famous out of all the actors in Entourage. Jeremy Piven? Yes. Yes. All right. It. So... Let's go to let's let's go to the NBA player that you modeled your game after was. Oh, I listened to the <laughs> JJ Reddick podcast. It was Allen Iverson. 
Good right? answer. Good answer. Is Absolutely. that not it? AI was my guy. Yeah, braids, number three, big crossover, swag. That was my guy. That you was your right. number one? Okay, good. Yay, see, mm-hmm. I got one. I got one. This is a hard one. You got to be, but you are a journalism major. So let's see if you can get this one. NFL. The NFL silent reporter that you viewed intently in middle school as it crystallized for you that you wanted to work in sports and be a silent reporter was, and the hint is she's still at it to this day. Yes. I'll give you another hint. She's on Fox. Michelle Tafoya. No, but I do feel like she was, she's one of the best interviewers to ever do it, but no. She she's on the she's on my Mount Rushmore of sideline reporters, but it's not her. And Michelle DeFoya actually is no longer doing sidelines for those that mm, watch. But you said that. in mid oh, but you said in middle school, and then you said still doing it to this day. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I'm gonna you want me to tell you, Lisa Salters. You got to tell me, Pam Oliver. Oh, Pam. See, this is when I told you like where the NFL was religion to me growing up, I would always watch the Fox pregame show, turn it on. She would always do these sit down interviews. And that's like when I realized I wanted to get in sports broadcasting. That's really cool. And Pam's still doing it. Like she's still killing the game. She's really good at what she does. She really is. Yeah. All right. So we're rounding these out. Um, see, you're gonna. This is something where, like, now you're gonna learn about me, and you're like, I wish I didn't know that about you. But um, I have to guess your favorite type of wine, and I'm not going to because I don't drink wine. Oh, wow! I know. I don't really. Sorry drink. to hear that. I know. That's good. good for you. That's good no, for you. Honestly, CJ, this is one of the things when I like, I am out with adults, and like, they're like, you don't Get drink a wine. It was just like, they look at me as if I'm a child and I feel like I need to learn wine in order to be a grown up. And I just, I I feel like I'm too far behind. It's like Star Wars. I've never seen it. I'm not, I got too, there's too many Star Wars out there. I can't, I can't keep up. So I don't even start. This is a drink for everybody. You just got to figure out what it is for you. I like a, I knew like a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc because oh. it doesn't taste like anything. Nice and refreshing white wine. It doesn't taste like anything. As far as yours, I'm just going to say things. It's Of course, it's a red wine. And in, in, and it's maybe one of your wines. That's never a wrong answer. I would say Pinot Noir is my favorite. Um, definitely like the wine that we make with McCullough Harris 91. Um, shout I enjoy out. It. Shout out McCullough Harris 91. I enjoy, one more time. <laughs> shout out to McCullough Harris 91. I enjoy Oregon wine, just the process of it, the weather, all those things that kind of impact um, the taste profile behind it. But I would say for you, if you like a New Zealand's Hivion Blanc, then you would probably like the Chardonnay that we make. Just throwing oh. that out there. Okay. Well, maybe you can send over a bottle, you know, as like a welcome to the CJ McCollum show available wherever you download your podcast. Yeah, wherever you get your podcast. Say no more. Done deal. <laughs> all right. Um, ooh. Uh, CJ, as you know, we share a birthday. September 19th, Virgos all day. Um, You're actually one of five current NBA players born on September 19th. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, we are perfectionists. Brandon Clark, I didn't know this, of the Grizzlies. Now I have to mention that to him. 
yeah. um, Precious Achua, the uh, Toronto Raptors, and then two that are teammates. Can you name them? Trey Young, DeJounte Murray. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, I just I, found I, that out. I text DeJounte on his birthday every year. Uh, when I found out, I was like, ah, oh, I knew there's a reason why I liked you. Yes, <laughs> yes. So uh, we text on his birthday. I ra- I randomly ran into DeJounte at Disney World this summer with his kids and I was with my kid. It was like, and then so when I saw it was his birthday, I was like, I can't believe we're, the- we had- we're birthday twins as well. See, it's just like, September 19th. It's it's, it's one of the greatest days ever. It's one of the greatest days ever. And, you know, we're just like name great Virgos. I mean, we got Beyonce and Zendaya. Like, when you start uh, listing off Virgos, come on. It's true. This is a kids friendly one. You, you should definitely get this one if you really think about it. The kids show that I've watched the most with my son, Jacoby, is, and I'll give you a hint if you need No, that. don't, because okay. if it's not Bluey, then I don't know what you're doing wrong because Bluey is the greatest show of all time. Like knockoff Sopranos, The Wire, you know, Breaking Bad. You put Bluey up there because it will Bluey? change your life. I will, Have you never we, seen Bluey? No, not in this entirety. CJ. No. <laughs> CJ. CJ, it will change your life. How old is your but kid? She's about to be five. Okay, see, I'm I'm working with 20, 20 months. So I'm in Miss Rachel phase right now. Miss Rachel. We watched oh. Miss Rachel. You know about Miss Rachel. I know, yeah. She's educational. No, no, it's great. It's great. She's great. She's wonderful. But Bluey, it's more, it's actually like for parents as much as it is for the kids. The oh, okay. lessons learned in parenting. Australians are just like better people in general. They just are. And um like you just I can't you gotta watch it. I mean I will add it to my list. Bluey. You have to. It's incredible. And Jacoby will be dying laughing because it's funny. It's legitimately funny. That's a win for me if he's laughing. So I'll take it. <laughs> I, are you? I mean, I lo- I respect Taylor Swift, but um, <clears throat> like uh, I, she's had she's she's been she's been talked a lot about, but we're going to continue it on this podcast on. here. So I guess I got, so. there's um, two songs that I, I'm just going to. I had no idea you were a Swifty. You're like I mean, a big Swifty? I know like the names of a few songs. Okay. Okay. So that doesn't make you a Swifty, I guess. Not a so Swifty. I have to guess your favorite songs? No, I'm supposed to guess yours, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't this know is... any. Who... See, this is where Adi and Dan are producers. They set us up. This, If you're yeah, wondering why says... these questions are so disjointed, <laughs> it's because I think Dan, our producer, went on our Wikipedia pages or something. <laughs> And was like, yeah, this is your question. I'm supposed to answer who I'm supposed to answer way. what favorite song is for you. No, the Taylor just... Swift PR team is working hard that they got into the, yeah. the heads of our producer. I have no Taylor. Look, look, I'll say this. Taylor Swift. I respect the hell out of her. I don't listen to her music, but if it comes on, I'll be like, OK, cool. Good. It's not I'm not going to turn it off. Like my daughter likes dancing to shake it off, but I I if that was on the on the radio in the car and I'm by myself, best believe I'm turning it off. <laughs> I was going to say like 22, like 22. Ooh, ooh, that's like the only song I know. I only know that I got, part. I, what, what's the one about the summer that just happened? See, um, I'm so, not a Swifty. I can't tell. I don't. 
Swifties I don't get don't in my car. And, get in my car and think like, hmm, what Taylor Swift mm. album do I want to hear today? Like, I don't, I don't no. do that. No, see, don't come for us, Swifties. But like, um, she's great. Good luck. She's fantastic. Good luck to you and shout out to Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs. <laughs> and yes, I wish her nothing but success. Um, I really, I really mean that. I really mean that. <laughs> she's she's successful. You don't. She doesn't need your wishes. You're right. You're right. You're right. But this is this, amazing. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. I want to. Yes. First of all, welcome to the Siege McCollum show. Looking yes, forward to you. many more podcasts. Wherever you uh, can download your podcast, by the way. Wherever you download okay. your podcast, you tune in to the CJ McCollum show. And then I just want to thank our fans and our listeners. Welcome back. First of all, we're back. Uh, we'll be here bi-weekly giving you guys insights and girls insights on things that are happening around the league, what's happening with the Pels, and just talking and having great conversations. So I, I hope that you guys continue to enjoy the things that we're doing. Uh, with this podcast and feel free to leave us comments leave us suggestions things that you may want to hear about so we can better tailor this podcast to your desires and likes booyah wait remember that if we're gonna do my favorite sportscasters oh yes Stuart. booyah Stuart. and on that booyah. note we'll get into that in, the, in our next episode dan will tweak his questions a little bit um it's a privilege to be with you See you guys next time.